0: church there in england the worship that comes out of that place the music i should say that comes out of that place is wonderful and god was dealing with him about the music and so they actually got, they stopped doing music in their church for six months and you know for a church that is actually known to have wonderful music for their worship was a, a, a huge thing and they stopped doing music, and they and they sang a cappella, and they uh, read the Psalms for worship, and they would have testimony. They did different things to express their worship to God. And during that time, this song was written. And it's I think it's uh, I love the song. I've led it as a worship leader for years, ever since it came out. I think it's ironic though that we do this song in our churches with instrumentation, because truly it was a vocal song. When the music fades and all is stripped away. For Matt, like it would be for myself, when you take music away from us, we lose something, we lose a part of ourselves, and we lose a way that we express our worship to God. And he says, When the music fades and all is stripped away, I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth. We all have things that we rely on. We all have things that we kind of hide behind, even that we bring to God because it helps us to be a little more comfortable in the moment. But sometimes God's dealing with us. Even things that aren't wrong. Music is not wrong. I mean, we're supposed to praise God with a ten-stringed instrument. And I like that it's ten because the guitar has six and the bass has four. That's (laughs) ten. And we praise Him with the cymbals. And we praise Him with the drums. We praise Him with the clapping of the hands. These are all wonderful expressions of, of worship. But sometimes we rely on our expressions of worship and to make us comfortable. And sometimes God wants to deal with us a little bit, as He did there in England. And He says, you know, don't rely on your worship. Come and meet me afresh. Come and meet me new for a while. And it was a wonderful time. And, and I encourage us that we begin to say, God, we want to meet with You afresh. We don't want it to be old. We don't want it to ever grow stale. Things to shake up. So so I encourage you in your devotional times to shake it up a little bit. Change it around and, and see the fresh things that God has for you. Amen. Hallelujah. That was a freebie. That was a freebie. Hallelujah. Do we have I'm going to do a few announcements now. I know we have one Um, in your bulletin, which I can get. Prayer first. You know, this is wonderful. Next Friday is New Year's Day. And we always have prayer here the first Friday of every month. So I'm really excited that the first Friday of this month is also the first day of the new year. We want to start out this new year in prayer. We want to seek God for His will for us personally for the congregation and for the valley. We want to pray for the other churches. We want to pray for God to pour out His Spirit upon this valley. We really want to encourage everyone to come out. And because we want you to come, we're decided to have food. <laughs> because we know that food will get you. And, and if you have any special orders, bring them in and we'll have Peggy cook it up for you. <laughs> no, but it's, it, we're going to do potluck style at 5 o'clock. Come together to fellowship. Bring your cell groups. Come. And then at 6, we're going to pray. And we're just going to seek God. See, God has something for this place. Um, You know, this Christmas, I I do pray that everyone had a wonderful Christmas time with their family. I'm suspecting that for many of you, the present load was lighter this year than it was in years past. And And I think that that's a wonderful thing. Because we get lost in the presence and, and I, I love I love Christmas, even in in the presence in the tree, not to get, but I love to go out and buy people things. If you're like me, it was probably harder for you not to not to receive, but to not be able to buy people gifts. It was that was difficult, but it was scaled down. But one of the things I pray happened for you is that you began to focus in back on the true meaning of Christmas and, and what it's about. See, in these times we're living, which is interesting to say the least, where we'll be, where this nation will be, and even the world, in a year, two years, or five years. And as we go into this next year, and January 1st is really not a special day, but we've made it special. We always tend, we kind of come up to this day and and do resolutions, and, and things like that, saying we're going to change for the next year. And um, we're not going to have a New Year's resolution message today. Maybe it will happen next week, I don't know. But it's, it can be t- seen as a time of newness. God, what do You have for us this year? What do You want to do in and through me? Let's get together and, and open up. As I tell you, I don't want to be anywhere removed from the presence of God or out of His plan for me in these coming years. You know, if things get tighter and, and, and more difficult, boy, it's not a good time to be outside of the boat. We want to stay in the boat. We want to stay with Christ, and we want to stay in fellowship. And no matter how many problems there are in the church, you know, in the local church body, uh, I kind of look at this as the boat. And we're in this thing together. And you know what? There might be some holes in this boat. But I tell you, it's a lot easier to fix the boat from inside because you can't tread water for very long and try to fix it from outside. So come together. Let's press in together and see what God has this next Friday. And, and just be in prayer. It's going to be exciting. Um, we have our annual meeting coming up at the end of January, January 25th. It's time we're going to be uh, looking over at the budget, looking again forward. It's it's an annual business meeting. Everyone's invited, though, to see what's happening budget wise, um, to see what's happening in, in the things that we're doing. Um, we're also uh, we'll be um, voting on another board member, another deacon, and so come out. We really want this. all you members, definitely please come. We need you, we need you out there to have a quorum. But I believe this is another time that we're even going to see begin to see vision, casting vision. Where are we going in this next year? Where are we going? So make sure you come out and be a part of that too. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love You. And we thank You. Now we thank You for the opportunity to join together once again in this place to celebrate with the other believers, with the other cell groups. Father, we ask, God, that Your blessing would be upon this morning, upon these words. Father, we ask Your presence to abide. Remain honest, God. Father, this morning we pray for Pastor Jeff as he's, he is ill this morning. God, touch him. Raise him up right now where he's laying. Where he's at, God, just raise up his physical body. God, restore him completely to health lord Jesus Father, we pray lord there 's so many who are who are sick, who are not feeling well today, God, we pray that you would just cause your spirit to just quicken us and heal us, Lord, this morning. hallelujah, in Jesus name, amen, amen, hallelujah, Pastor Jeff, as you heard just now is is not feeling well, and um, so it, it came on very suddenly last night. And uh, at about 10 till 6 last night he called me into the office and says, Can you preach? He just really... And he doesn't do that. If you've been around a long time, Pastor Jeff doesn't miss church and he doesn't go home sick. He pushes through and so he really wasn't feeling well. And uh, it's it's quite a, a shame because he got two viruses yesterday. He got one on his physical body and he got one on his computer. And uh, you know computer viruses, what a joy! (laughs) Uh, He was actually on a website and he was typing in a search phrase. And uh, you know, if you if you know much about viruses, usually you have to uh, execute something, hit enter, go somewhere. He is already on the page. He was typing, and when he hit the letter B, his screen went, and he got it. So he's got a virus on his computer. And. so he's fighting those two things. That's kind of kind of a shame. And you know there is a number of growing threats to our computers. Today were talk about compu- Can we talk about computers today? I hope most of you have operated a computer. Otherwise, hang on. You know there are there's really a lot of threats out there. If, even if you don't have a computer, you hear somebody going, "Yeah, I got a virus. I got a worm. I got a this." And and, and they're out there like crazy. And really, not too many of them are very new. They're just old viruses, old things that people actually invent to send onto your computer to ruin your day. <laughs> and it does. And they're not new. They're just new, updated versions of old ones. And it's funny because, you know, computer information, it's just, it's just a bunches of ones and zeros put together to make our lives miserable. <laughs> You know, no matter I mean you know this thing, this is a little computer on my phone, and it, I mean, it's amazing. I can watch movies on this, and I, can, I could probably operate the space shuttle from here. <laughs> yeah. And our computers, everything we have, is susceptible. If you're, if you're online, computers are susceptible to viruses, and they're very, very serious. Some are harmless. Um, I remember getting one a few years ago. It was, it was just fun. Uh, it downloaded and I hit a button and my screen looked like it melted. And it just, all my little letters and all my little icons and pictures just melted and fell to the bottom of the screen in a gooey... I mean, it didn't really do anything, but it was like, it was really cool looking. I'm going, man, how man, how did that guy do that? Somebody somewhere was just trying to prove how smart he was. And most of the time that's what a virus is. Just somebody having fun, or maybe trying to get hired by Norton. <laughs> <laughs> but some, if you download and execute these little programs, these little viruses, and you'll never know where they're at, it could be the end of your computer just to find out, has anyone lost their computer completely to a virus? Okay, see, so this is come right, right in here, and in, in, in good old Big Bear, it happens. And... Uh, and when that happens, you've got to restore, reboot. You've got to reload, reload all your programs. Hopefully you did. The, there's three rules in co- computation and computers. You know what the three rules of working on a computer are? Backup, backup, and backup. Right? And, and, and what that means is that you take all the information on your computer and you store it somewhere in case your computer dies. Who's ever lost a computer and didn't back up? No fun on that one either. And uh, we don't want to have to reload all the programs. So what do we do with with computers? We protect ourselves. We protect ourselves with a number of programs that are out there um, so that our computers are protected against viruses, so that we'd, we're careful not to download files from unknown sources. Um, even fr- I've gotten emails from f- what I thought were friends that had bugs in them and viruses and worms and things. Because people are so good at this, they can tap into my computer if I let it, and then it'll send out an email to you from me with a virus in it. It's fun. <laughs> And so we, what do we do? We run everything through a virus scanner, right? AVG, Norton, Windows Defender. You know, this morning when I was, was panicking and, and working on this, because I didn't have a lot of time, um, a window popped up and says I hadn't run a scan in three days. And I thought it was kind of funny because I was working on this. and So I like, run quick! I was <laughs> afraid maybe Jeff sent me an email before he crashed. <laughs> So we run things through our protectors, our scanners, and we find something that's infected, we try to repair it. And your computer can do that if you have the right software. And if it can't repair it, it takes it and puts it over here and quarantines it. And, and it's a lot of fun. So that, you know, it's just, it's just amazing that we do this. How can people so consumed in saving our hard drives be so lax in saving our spiritual lives? You know, I mean, you know, some, some of you... I'm sure you're just paranoid of these because you've lost your computer. You're not going to do it again. We spend so much time. The world spends so much time. You know, it's billions of dollars are wasted every year because because of uh, viruses and things. We spend so much time fighting those, but what about our spiritual lives? When's the last time you updated your spiritual virus scanner? You know... What's amazing is that there are endless supplies of information out there that will help us recognize spiritual viruses. And yet the onslaught continues. And many of us still fall prey to them. This morning's message has a title. It's called, Have You Updated Your Virus Software? Have You Updated Your Virus Software? We're all prey to spiritual viruses. And and this is, a, like I said, I just thought it would be kind of fun to compare our lives to what we do on the computer. There's four reasons... Uh, the, the, I th- I'm gonna give you four reasons, there's probably more than that, that we have viruses. Viruses in our spiritual body. Things that cause us not to run the way God would like us to run. Things that cause us to run not the way we would like us to run. Who, who's looked at their, their lives and says, you know what, I, I, I've had a virus in my spiritual life. I have. Things that come. And so four of these things. One is a faulty system file when we originally downloaded our program. I'm going to hit all these in a minute. I'm just going to go through them quickly. Another reason we, have, we might have a uh, virus... Is one possible problem is that we already downloaded a virus a long time ago. And that virus in us blocks the ability for us to recognize and look for new viruses in our life. I'm gonna talk about that. We think our auto protect is enabled. Right? We've got the you know, and if, I do apologize for those who don't work on computers a lot, but but there's these things we just turn it on, auto protect, protect everything. And we think it's good. But we picked up a virus a long time ago, and it's not working. Another problem, we have such an outdated version of McAfee <laughs> that it does not recognize the new viruses being launched at us every day. And four, we're trying to save time, energy, and disk space. So we've disabled our auto-protect. And we just sit back and naively say, I won't catch a virus. I don't do that much on the internet. I'm safe. And I've seen all of those in the church. And let's talk about those one by one if we can. And, I, and I, I've only got about five pages of notes. you should only take about two or three hours to get through. Listen, the time when you're, when you're first saved, that time is critical when you first come to Jesus, that, that beginning time is critical. And who and what we listen to and what we read will form our belief system. It's so important. If you're in this room to this morning and you've just, beca- you've just gotten saved or you're just about to be saved because God is hunting you down and you feel like that, you know, you're going, God, it just won't let me rest. When you first get saved, that time is so critical to do, to listen to the right things, to read the right things. And see, so we have all this information in us from our childhood, from our education, our parents, our experiences. And that information doesn't just go away when we get saved. I, I wish it did. We have all this faulty programming in us from our childhood, from our the time before we're saved. And so then we come to Christ and it's it, we've added a program, we, we've added something onto our life that's supposed to change everything, but it doesn't always and, and it's because we don't always switch what we're listening to. It's like having an old, this is an old version of Windows 3.1. Anyone remember 3.1? And are you going to just upgrade now to Vista? No, don't do that. Win, upgrade to Windows uh, you know, 7? 7? Or are you just going to are you going to do a complete new re- reinstall and again if you 've ever done this every time you want to upgrade a program you have an option of just adding some more files to your old stuff and making it better or you have an option of totally taking out the old and putting in the new so when we first get saved we we have these options and opportunities to really renounce sin to begin to go back and, and put put to death the curses that were put onto us. But sometimes when we get saved, all we do is add on a few things and we're still running with issues and problems in our life. And so you, you got saved. You're very saved. But you can't, seem, you, you can't seem to overcome your sin. You can't seem to overcome the things that are, are vexing you because we need to deal with the past still. We need, to get, we need to work on the viruses that were in us before we were saved. An example of that was Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight, we find that Simon, who was a sorcerer and he did mighty miracles, it says, he gets saved. And I, I, I just can't walk. I'm gonna come hide here. I'm a, I'm a pacer. He gets saved, and he he says he truly believed. And then the disciples come and they begin to do powerful works through the Holy Spirit. And Simon goes to them and says, Let me buy the power to lay hands on people and impart the Holy Spirit. And he gets rebuked. He says, Your money perish with you. Peter says, You know, you can't do that. You can't, that is Satan. You can't buy the power. It didn't say he wasn't saved, it just says, Your thinking is so wrong. He was saved, but he had a virus. He still wanted power. He still wanted prestige, though he was saved. And we needed to. He needs to deal. He needed to deal with that thing from the past. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new." We need to apply that to our lives. And so, that time of salvation is so important. And so. What is that really? That's discipleship. When you first become save, get saved, you really need to be discipled. So important to spend time one on one with somebody who will just take you through and challenge you. And when you say things that are unfitting and out, that somebody will come up to you and say, "Hey, let's talk about that." Not to judge you, not to tell you that you're wrong, but to say your thinking is askewed. It's wrong. And we have thinking, and in the picture, if I could draw a picture, if you will, in the air, we're we're running along in life, and things happen to us, right? Uh, You know, we, we have our experiences and all that, but right now, everything that happens to you goes into your mind, and it filters through this big, ugly vat. And this vat is everything that's ever happened to you. It's the the yelling your mom and dad may have done to you. It's the abuse you suffered. It's the people you hung out with. It's the school you went to. It's everything. Good and bad. We all have this huge vat. And when things happen to us, before it comes out, it goes through this vat. And then our response comes out of the vat. That's why you've, you've watched it, and we can always recognize it in others more than we do ourselves. Right? You never notice your own vat. But, but have you ever been in a situation where somebody went up, uh, especially if you're married, because your spouse may have come home and talked about this uh, to you, and said, somebody goes up and says, Oh, that dress makes you look, th- you know, that, that dress is slimming on you. And that becomes negative. I'm fat. I'm ugly. And and I have to wear dresses that make me look thin because I'm so fat and ugly. And the person wanted to give you a compliment. You look good. Or even that, you look good. Don't I always look good? Maybe I don't always look good. He never says I look good other days. Why not? Because you have a vat. And you in this vat is, I'm not, I'm not attractive. I don't look good. And so somebody says something nice, it filters through here and comes out negative. You're driving down the road and somebody puts on a blinker and, and, and comes in a little too close to you and you freak out. And you think that they hate you. And all these things go through Why? It's going through this vat. Whether you, it's caused you to be angry or whatever else, something happens, it goes to the devout, and it comes out different. God wants us to clean up our vat. He wants I should say He wants to clean up our vat. He wants to deal with those things in the past. But when you get saved, when you first get saved, you don't always do that. And so that, that is one of the things that happened to us. Ephesians 5 says, As Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's God's purpose for us. But I can, I can say that there are still things in my vat. There are still things that I'm dealing with, usually that I haven't recognized, that have, are, are plaguing me from the past, that come up and put a virus into my spiritual life. It causes me to do or think things that aren't from God. And He wants to cleanse me. He wants to make that new. The second thing is really similar, but in some ways more dangerous. And the second one was that we had a virus from a long time ago. Some people at their salvation begin to relearn what God desires of them. Right? They get into the Word and they start getting under good teaching and they find a biblical approach to life. But as we know, it's an ever-expanding and learning process. And during this growing time, some people find themselves prey to a bad programmer. They sit under bad teaching. They read bad books. There is a lot of books out there. And some of them are wonderful. And some of them are wonderful in parts, but have bad information in it. And, And during our forming process as a Christian, we sometimes get wrong information. You might sit under a preacher uh, who's saved, but has a bad doctrine. Something that can cause you to have problems in the future. Listen, one of these things that's been in the church for a long time is the prosperity gospel. Preached by wonderful people. People that I love and respect. And it's been out of balance at times. Sometimes it's in balance. God does want to prosper us. That is truth. See, it's a biblical doctrine. But He doesn't want to always give us a BMW. We can't just say, I own it. It's mine. I claimed it. That's wrong teaching. But if you sit under that for a long time, you get a virus. And you don't even recognize this virus until something bad happens in your life and the prosperity gospel can't explain it. What happens when you've been taught that God always heals and there's never should be sickness and if there's if you have sickness in your life there's sin. And somebody who you love and respect and you know to be walking with the Lord gets very ill and maybe dies. How do you then what do you do with that? Do you just accuse them of being a sin? Well, they must have had a secret sin that killed them. <laughs> or what about ourselves? Do we start condemning ourselves? See, faulty programming. Good teaching, 99% of it. But if there's something that's off, it's going to cause you to have problems in your spiritual life. So we need to make sure that our teach that we're getting good doctrine, good sound doctrine. And I tell you, the church we're not perfect. That's why it's it's it's, it's good. To, you need to be in the Word yourself. You have to make sure it's true. Amen. Believe that's what the people in Jude, in the book of Jude, it talks about this. I'm going to flip over there real quick. See, some people in their doctrine, meaning well, have updated what the Bible says, and they've added a little bit to it. And it's just one little corrupt file in the teaching that can cause you problems. And and sometimes this is where you end up. In verse 12, it talks about these people. First, starting 11 Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They've run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They're clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. You get your doctrine wrong and it can lead you to be uh, to, to off, and at times all the way off course to where, boy, are you saved? Did you ever get saved? Your teacher teaching wrong. But sometimes it can just make you powerless and ineffective because you had something in your life that, that caused you to go. So we need to begin to update our virus software. We need to make sure that we're doing okay. What happens when we do that? It's time to reboot and reinstall the corrupted files. That takes some time. You to go back and begin to read the Bible and get the right doctrines again. Prove out that what you believe is biblical in the whole counsel of God. I remember uh, 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 we sent a lot of young men um, through Master's Commission through the church and Pastor Lloyd Ziegler from the Master's Commission did this every year to the young students. He, he, they, they, they received so much teaching, but one morning he proved from the Bible that there was a rapture. And the next day he proved from the Bible that there was no rapture. And the next day he proved that the rapture would be at the beginning of the tribulation. And the next day he proved from the Bible that the rapture would be at the middle of the tribulation. It's all in there. If you take a little here and a little there, and only preach that. So you need to go back and begin to be discipled again in the counsel of God to see if what you've got is the truth. Amen. Amen. Keep smiling and nodding every once in a while. It will encourage me. Even if it's... It's okay. In Galatians it, Galatians, it talks about that. It talks about those that became saved uh, and put themselves back under bondage. The book of Galatians, the, the, the theme of that book is, is to be free. Be free from the bondage of law. And it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. It was the right gospel, but they began to put themselves under the law again. And he's going, listen, you're going away from the true gospel. Always check back to see what the Word says. And, and you really need people to do that with you. You need to be in a, in a group. You need to be in, being discipled. You need to be in a cell where you can go one-on-one and, and be held accountable. Amen. The third problem I talked about is that you have an old version of McAfee. And, and this, is, this is where I struggle with. I don't have a lot of money. And every year I have to upgrade and pay my annual fee to protect my computer. And so sometimes we just say, oh, the old one is good enough. The old one is, is good enough. We don't want to update our virus protection software. Why should I keep paying? I already have a program. Aren't you glad that doctors didn't stop do that in the 1900s? I already had plenty of medical books. I know so much this leech will cure all your ailments. There, in, in Indonesia, we have a, a friend who's a, a missionary in Indonesia, and, and it was so hard for them to find a doctor. Because all the doctors in Indonesia, will eventually, when you have a problem that they're not sure about, they say, the translation is, you have bad air. <laughs> you have bad air inside of you, and it's making you sick. And... Their medicine is, is in, in these villages is just it's not very up to date. They have bad air, and we just I laughed so much at that. You know they're sick, they're not feeling well. And then I realized in this country, we used to say the exact same thing. I have the vapors. <laughs> there was actually a tea, there was bad air inside of you. I am glad that doctors continue to study and learn and update what they know and don't work on me with old information. What about us? Have we updated? Are we growing in the things that we know? Have we read through the Bible once and said, that's good enough. I'm going to continue on in my walk. I know that when I read through the Bible, when I read a passage for the hundredth time, God will bring something new out. And it's like revelation. We need to continue to pay the price because there's always a price to pay. When I, when I sit down and go, do I need the $79 program and the $30 activation fee for the year to keep my computer safe? There's a price to pay. But when I say, no, I think I'm good enough, and I get a virus, and then I have to take it over to Bob Poole at, at, you know, the, the computer store over there, and he has to reload everything, I'm gonna pay a lot more than $109. There's a price to pay either at the front end or the back end. When do you wanna pay it? Do you wanna put in the time now? And, and get grounded in the Word of God? Or do you want to wait until your marriage is falling apart? You know, the average couple doesn't go in for marriage counseling until seven years. They wait for seven years to ever go talk to somebody about their problems in their marriage. And by seven years, normally it's too late. And that's why the the, the biggest number for divorce is right around seven years. More couples get divorced right around seven years because they never worked on it. They didn't pay the price ahead of time. And too many times I've had couples come into my office and say, we need help. And by then, one of them's had an affair. The other one's so cold and closed down that there's no hope. I got a call one time from someone... Who, who just called and says, you need to come over. He wasn't in my church anything. He says, you need to come over and help me. You know, my wife and I are having a problem. And it's serious, can you come right now? And this was not the type of guy who would say that. It's very you know He wasn't going to be asking for help. So I ran over. I rushed over to his house going, oh, no, and I was pretty young at the time. And he says, we need help. Yeah, you do. Your wife is packing her bags. <laughs> she was loading the car. <laughs> And, and this wasn't for the first time. I mean, you know, they had already gone through, I'm leaving. This was, I'm done. And he wanted help. I said, sit down for ten minutes. And I just basically begged and said, listen, stay. And let's try to work through this for a few months. Let's work through it. And it was too late. The price was paid at the end instead of the beginning. They should have come in years before and began to talk about it. In your Christian walk, you need to go now and begin to put in the time in reading reading the Bible, being in fellowship. If you're having marital problems, you need to go talk to people now. There's nothing shameful in that. Nothing shameful in having problems. But it is a bummer when you have a divorce. So you've got to pay up front. It's better. The enemy is constantly coming at us with a barrage of attacks. And we need to be in the Word to know. One of the things that's happening, because we, if we don't stay daily in this, it's, it's the idea of the manna. You can't live off of yesterday's manna. You've got to be in the Word today. And the enemy is throwing new things at us. It's just changes of old, but it looks new. There's something that's happening because I I believe that we're not in the Word enough to really combat it. And if this is you, I I apologize. I'm not meaning to step on any toes, but this is something I've seen. A mom and dad or a brother or sister, whatever it is, finds out that a sibling or a daughter or a son or even a parent is gay. Or they turned gay. And before this time, it was easy for them to say, the Bible teaches us that homosexuality is not of God. And there's a lot of things that are not of God. This is just one that I've seen this happen. And so now they're confronted whether or not they will continue to say that or not. Mm -hmm. And they begin to hear from even other churches that says, no, it's okay. It really is okay. God created them to be that way. And I've seen people shift their belief system because they didn't want to condemn their children or their parents or somebody else. And they really began to believe. Now, we can take that with anything else, but it's interesting. We're pretty okay with going, you know, you know beating your wife is just not okay. And we can stand with it. But there are some things that come in slowly, and we take and we begin to change our doctrine. We need to be in the Word all the time. All the time to know this is right. There are other other things that help us. And, and I'm going to talk about these. But but on this one, something that we do here at the church and we recommend and we're going to do another class is the Truth Project. Oh, no. Creating a biblical worldview. Understanding how we approach everything through the Bible. And it's, it's wonderful. We need to continue to come back. We need to be updated because the enemy's going to come in slowly. He's going to come in. I remember in, in Guatemala I said, and this is, it wasn't that rampant yet, um, I said about six years ago, when I started saying, I said, you know, a hundred years ago there were churches that said black people can't go to heaven. Right? That's very sad. Very sad. A hundred years ago. I said, in a hundred years from now, and we sit around going, can you believe that? that we, they actually thought black people didn't have a soul. Some churches believe that. There might still be some out there today. <laughs> they say, a hundred years ago. And we go, that's just crazy. I can't understand that. And I looked and I says, in a hundred years, there will be many churches, if Jesus tarries and doesn't come, looking back and say, can you believe that a hundred years ago, Christians used to think that homosexuality was Wrong. They're going to say, can you believe that Christians... Because we're going to let the world come in and sway what the Bible teaches rather than let the Bible pave the way for everything we do and say. Now again, every sin is the same. But this is one that is coming in secretly. It's just a little bit different. It's the same. It's just a sin. But it is coming in through the church a little bit differently. And I believe we're going to have others come in in the future. Update your software. Update it. We need to be in the Word. We need to recognize the enemy when he comes. Colossians through 23 says, "...and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith." Grounded and steadfast. And you're not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. 1 Timothy 4 says, Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them. Take heed. Continue in the things that you were taught. You don't just get saved. Read a little bit in the Bible and then just go on. You need to continue to press in and find out what God has for you. And as you do that, you'll be ready. You'll be strengthened. And you won't be moved away from the hope of the gospel 2 Timothy 3 says, continue steadfastly. We need to continue on. Amen. And the last one, the last part of the virus that we need to be aware of is that it's just as deadly as the others, and I believe it's probably the saddest, it's complacency or naivety. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to go through a system and update my software and... I really don't know what to do and I'm sure everything's okay. I'm just so busy. We can't be complacent about our Christian lives. I just don't have time to read my Bible in the morning. I don't have time to go to cell. I can go to church Sunday morning, but cell group's just too much. I'm really too busy. Don't be... Complacent. Don't be naive. These attacks are coming and we need to be ready for them. Hebrews 5, 12-14 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, if you're in here going, you know, yeah, sometimes I just don't know if this is right and if I don't know it's wrong, I want to say you need to probably be in the Word more and you need to get with some people who can help disciple you and help to teach you the Word of God. Though by this time, the Bible says you, sh- you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths. 2 Timothy 4 says, Be watchful in all things. And in Revelation, it says you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You know, if you're saved, your family probably knows that you're saved. You have a name that you're alive, but are you dead today? Is there life in your body? Are you growing? Or are we dead? You know, this is, this, this is what his message I'm not. I'm talking to all of us. This is, this is the pull the dipstick and check us. How are we doing you know we need to run the scan on our own lives. How much? How many viruses have we picked up over this last year? Don't just have a name that we're alive and be dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Be watchful and strengthen the things. All of us have strength. All of us have things, and as no matter where you at in your Christian experience today, there's something that remains. Strengthen it. Begin to strengthen it. And the others will begin to come along. Don't let them die. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. And I remember I used to, I, I, was, I remember this this morning when I was, I was looking at, at some of these old notes. And, and um, every, I used to wrestle with my boys all the time. Now Matthew's big and he'll kick, you know, he'll get me. So, am going to kick my hiney. But I used to wrestle with them all the time. And when we got done wrestling, I don't know why I chose wrestling time to do it. Maybe it's because we did it all the time. Every time we got done wrestling, I'd say, boys, what's the most important thing? They'd look at me and say, loving God, Dad. Loving God. I did it purposefully. Did they really know that? Zach was 2 and 3. Matthew was 6 and 7. Did they really know that loving God was the most important thing? I don't know. But I kept telling them that. So when they grew older, they would know. It would be in there. We need to be constantly steadfast, growing, hearing, listening to the right things, not the wrong things. If your best friend in the whole world who you spend the most time with is unsaved, you're in trouble. Not because they're evil, but because you're going to constantly hear things that are contrary to the Gospel. We've got to be steadfast in putting things in that are godly. I don't mean to cut them off and tell them they're a heathen. That's not it at all. But we need to make sure we're getting more of God, more of the Word, more of godly counsel than we are of the other stuff. That goes into child rearing. If you're raising your kids, listen, I, I'm just going to say this really simply. It's your job to raise your kids. Amen. It is not the state's job. However God shows you to do that is up to you and God. But if you put your kids into public school, you better know that you need to reprogram all the stuff that's out of place in their lives. And you can do that. I, I know some families that public school their kids, and I do not worry about their kids. They volunteer at the school. They go over their homework. They spend time with them. They teach them. and They always are checking what's going on. You can do that. That's okay. But you're responsible. We want to make sure we're... Because you're putting your kids into somebody else's care for 30 hours a week. That's a lot of hours to contradict, Mm -hmm. counteract. So it's our responsibility. Whatever that looks like, you need to know that it's important that we are forming and fashioning through a biblical view of what's happening with our kids. We need to be always aware, always enabled... Scanning everything and not complacent, we need to be active. We can 't turn off our virus scanner systems. Sit down on the TV, sit down don 't sit on the TV. sit on the couch in front of the TV, and you turn that on. Something's going into your mind. You can either make a decision not to run that program at all before you even run it. Or you need to know that there, there could be things in that that you 're going to have to reprogram after the fact of watching it, Just be careful, be aware what you 're doing what you 're putting in your life we, here 's a commercial my family we bought we bought this thing it 's one of us called Clear Play. Does anyone else have a, know what clear play is Clear play is the greatest thing for movies it 's a DVD player that You put in a filter stick, uh, from something that somebody downloads, and it takes out bad language from any movie you watch, nudity, blasphemy, dishonoring of parents, dishonoring the flag. It takes out mushiness if you want it to. You're in control of what it takes out. You're in control. You can say, for me, I like violence. I like Braveheart. Braveheart is great. I don't want to take out the blood in Braveheart because that's the movie. I mean, I'd be like, if you took out the blood and violence in that, it'd be like, credits, one scene, credits again, it'd be over. <laughs> and so, so I on that movie, I, don't take, I wouldn't take out any of the violence. I want to see it. Now, if my kids are going to watch it for me, I'm going to take out the violence and they can watch it now with me. I bought that. So I get to still watch movies. So I, I'm kind of doing this too. So if you ever hear me saying I watched a movie, that you go, oh, you watched that? I watched it through clear play. Okay? In fact, I, I, I found myself I'm recommending movies. Oh, this was a great movie. And I forget that there was clear play. And they, a lot of the language and maybe nudity. I didn't see any of it. I'm making a choice. I'm making a choice to do this. Before we did that, we just didn't watch the movies. And I didn't like that because I like movies, so I found this. <laughs> Shannon's great with that. She just, goes, we're not going to watch it. So what do we do? in In our church, we have set up. We're, we're, we've got set up a system, if you will. We've got to set up things that are going to help us to to accomplish these things in the message. We have what we what, what's called. Now that you're his, it's a discipleship guide, and it's, it's not about the book. But we go, we take people when they first get saved through this book, and it helps you in your foundation and getting saved. and And you go through it one on one with somebody else. Now that you're his, and we go through, we go through that. The cell leaders can take you through, and and backing up, we have cell ministry here. You know what? You can't do it on your own if you just come on Sundays and go home. We have small groups that meet during midweek that are there for accountability there for, for fellowship and help and when, you, when somebody gets saved or if you've been saved but never discipled go through this book it's wonderful it helps you in your foundations you go through it with somebody that way you're learning the right things we, of course it goes along with the Bible we have uh, encounter retreats that we do and actually I wanted to have some sheets ready because I'm really hoping that somebody of you says you know what I'd like to go through those things so, maybe, maybe there's someone who could run and get a couple of pieces of paper out on the back and just write on them for me. Um, if he wants to sign up for any one of these things, I apologize. I wanted to do that. We have an encounter retreat. And one of the things that the encounter is you encounter Christ, an you know, opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We also talk about getting rid of some of the things from the past, cutting those things off spiritually, bondages. It's important. We, we want to do that with you. you. Boy, you can't do it on your own. Another book, An Appointment with the King, helps you to learn how to have devotions and spend intimate time with God on a regular basis. We need that. We need that. You know, we study so much and learn so much just to learn how to drive. You know, we need to understand that our, our souls, our Christian walk... We need to have so much more time. So this is a wonderful book, Jump-Starting Your Devotional Life. We have a post-encounter. We have different things that, we put you, that you're able to go through to get deeper in your faith. But most of all, we have cell ministry groups where you can go every week and say, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Will you pray for me? Groups that are safe. You can encourage one another and become a disciple and grow in your walk. It's so important. The Truth Project, like I mentioned earlier, is something else. We're, we're, we're going to start a new one soon, and after that I think we're, we're going to have to do another one. Because the Truth Project is a part of the ministry focused Focus on the Family, and it's, it's a multiple week course that just helps us to get a biblical world view. So that you look at everything through God's eyes, through the Bible. Because when we're making decisions on whether or not we should, who we should vote for, whether or not we should get a loan to get something. Whether or not we should default on a loan. Whether or not we do so many things, we can begin to approach it through God's eyes and through the Bible. And, and something else is the first rule of com- comput- computing. Backup, backup, and backup. I don't encourage you all, I believe what backup is for us is journal. Journal, journal, journal. And this is why. A backup takes the information that you had and stores it. A journal takes the experiences and information that you've had with God and it stores it somewhere. And when you crash, and and, and many of us have, when you crash and you go, "I, I don't know if I can function anymore, you reach to a backup. You pull it out and you say, God was with me here. He saw me through. God answered my prayer here. Remember when God was faithful? Remember when I prayed for this and it came to pass? That's your backup. It's a reminder that your information, the things that you used to believe, they were real. We come to points in our faith that we question what we believe. And if you can go back to a journal of something, whether it's compute something, and look back and say, you know what, it was real then. I know it was real then. I wrote this. Then why isn't it real today? Back up. Find a way. That's what the Jews continually did. This is right on the back of your hands, right on your foreheads, right on the walls. When, the, when they crossed over the, the Jordan River, do you remember what they did? They grabbed stones from the middle of the Jordan and they craw- carried them over and they built an altar. And you always find them building altars and you go, why the heck did they do that? Were they sacrificing things? No. That altar was an altar of remembrance. Stones of remembrance that came from the middle of the Jordan. No question, when you walked by that later, you went, God stopped the water so we could go in. These rocks remind me that God is God. Because we come to our points in our life that we forget that God is God. We get discouraged. So you need to build altars all around. There was a lady in in Oak Oak Valley. I preached a whole message on stones of remembrance and, and building altars. Next thing I know, she's got a rock garden. She took me out there one day and she says, this rock I put in here, when God healed Annie of cancer. And she knew what the reason for every rock. Patricia's not going anywhere because she looks at that rock garden and says, God is faithful. God is faithful. You need to build up altars in your life that says, God, you're real. I know you were then. You heard me. And go back and back that up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we really need You today. Father, we, we recognize that we have viruses in us that, that You're still wanting to deal with. God, we pray that we would begin to apply the Word, begin to get ministry and discipleship to clean out our vat. God, we thank You that our minds can be renewed to the washing of the water of the Word. God, we thank You that You've called us not to be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, as we would continue on and go into 2010, Father, I pray that something would, would change in this place, God, and that You would help all of us to become less vulnerable and not vulnerable to the attacks of viruses in our spiritual lives. God, I pray that You would cause us to join together with other Christians who will hold us accountable and call us on the carpet when they see something that's out of place. I would curse the the wrong thinking and teaching that anytime somebody brings out something that's wrong, that we say that's judging and that's wrong. But instead we would say, if there's something wrong, show me and teach me. that we might not only have a name of being alive, but truly we would have the living God in power in our lives to affect and infect others instead of being infected by them. Strengthen us, strengthen those things which remain and make us strong. God, I pray that life would begin to flow once again for those who it's slowed down or stagnated. God, I pray that those mature in the faith would understand our call and our responsibility to help those that are young in the faith and weaker in the faith, to lift them and encourage them, Father, to be willing to spend the time to disciple one another. God, we thank You, Lord, that we will see the glory of the Lord poured in this place and in this valley so deep and so rich that it will flow over the dam and flow into the desert. The glory of God. As we become more and more Your disciples bound together in intimate fellowship week to week, celebrating together on the weekends. Father, we love You and we need You. Lord, I pray right now that any accusatory thoughts that people maybe have received today feeling judged or accused would be silenced and only the pure love and pure truth of Your Word would come through. That we will not lose any part of this message because somebody feels condemned or accused or attacked. If I did that, forgive me, Lord. But God, challenge all of us this morning to update our virus software, to be ready for the attacks of the enemy, and to be strong in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Anyone is interested in, in be. Getting now that you're His appointment with the King and beginning that walk. If you're in a cell group, talk to your cell leader. If you're not in a cell group, come. We'll we'll hook you up to get you in a small group, a lighthouse group, so that you can continue in your path. And praise the Lord. Have a great week. We'll see you Friday at five for food. I like I like chocolate and 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 I love chicken. So if you wanna make a dessert, bring me chocolate. If you wanna make a meal, bring me chicken. You wanna make raw and both have